What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you in your walk toward eternity, helpful for you to become the saint that God desires for you and all of us to be. Here's the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions per episode dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, evangelization, discipleship, catechesis, relationship advice, and the list goes on. And then I will spend time with your questions, pray with them, study them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's good for you to become a saint. However, the disclaimer is this. I am not perfect. I'm not infallible. Therefore, my advice that I give to you might not actually be good for you. If that's the case, I want to give you the freedom to reject whatever it is that I say that does not help you to become a saint. However, if my advice is helpful or difficult, then I want to encourage you to lean into Jesus Christ and the sacraments and the scripture and community so that God can give you the grace that you may need to fulfill the demands of discipleship. If you're a first-time listener, you can hit me up with your own questions at askfatherjosh at assistionpress.com. You can rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats, and you can also share us on your social media pages. That helps other people find out about the show. If it's a gift for you, potentially it could become a gift for them as well. I'm uh, super stoked uh, because on today's show, I have one of my, my best buds, a uh, priest from the Diocese of Baton Rouge, Father Paul Grow in the house. What's up, Father Paul? How you doing, Father Josh? I am super stoked too. Yeah, you should be. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> so, so be on this podcast. Polly G. So we go way back. We go way back. Uh, and on today's show, we're going to talk about OCD, anxiety, um, adult children who have mental illness, and, and questioning therapy. And the reason why I wanted you on this show is because you have a powerful testimony of your own experience of, of healing. Um, and renewal in your own priesthood, which I think is really, really great. And so um, before we get into our, our topics, I want to share a glory story. Then I'll ask you glory a glory story. And then potentially within the context of the glory story, you could share a little bit about your own journey of, of how um, you found even more freedom in your priesthood over these past few years. Mm-hmm. So let's hit the glory story. So my glory story is this. I love being a priest uh, because we have the gift of being able to share the sacraments with God's people. And recently, I got a phone call um, inviting me to, to, to go and visit someone's um, husband who was in the hospital. So I was just prepared to go anoint him. And when I got there, I found out that he wasn't Catholic. And so I was talking to his wife. He was sleeping. And, and I said, well, what is it? And she was like, well, he's Baptist. And, um, and she said, I just want him to be able to have a Catholic funeral, a mass. And I said, I, of course I'll do a mass for him, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, well, do you think he wants to be Catholic? And she said, well, I don't know. And um, I mean, he goes to mass a lot. So I woke him up and I said, hey, uh, excuse me, do you want to become Catholic? And he was like, yeah. And yeah, so like, like yeah, dude, right? Yeah. So That's right awesome. there, we had uh, some conversations. She left the room for a little bit. We, we had a few um, deep conversations very quickly. And, uh, and then she came back in the room and we um, initiated him into the church. And then after that, he went to home hospice that night. Um, and so we went to his house that night with all of his family and he got to receive the Eucharist. Because I didn't want to give him communion just like in the hospital um, because I was like, man, his first time receiving, it would be awesome if it was at mass. And so since he was in home hospice, we went to his house and we did a, a mass right there with his family. Wow. And he got to receive communion and he got confirmed. And it was just really, really beautiful. And so uh, I like those days like that. It was so unexpected. It was an unexpected. And I was going to do mass at night that night anyway by myself. And so yeah. I was like, well, I could just do mass with y'all. And so it was just a, a great, beautiful experience of God's. The unexpected presence of the Lord makes our lives very exciting. Doesn't it? Even in the ordinary. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So good. That's it. That's like St. Therese, right? She lived in this convent, but her life was like 
full of adventure mm-hmm. in a convent, right? Yeah. Because of the Lord. That's what faith does. It widens our horizons. Jesus is fun. Amen. He's a lot of fun, right? As one priest told me, just give him the car keys. You sit in the passenger seat. Mm. You ready for the ride, mm. right? Let's go, Jesus. <laughs> Problem is giving him the car key sometimes, right? I'm trying to think, uh, <laughs> what's a song about a, a car, about riding a car? Riding uh, a car? I don't, I don't know. You're the one who knows all the songs. Mm. I mean, the only <laughs> one I can think about is that, that song. I'm going to that one, but I don't, I'm not really sure. Rings a bell. Yeah. That's like my college days. Yeah, it just rings a bell, but you can't remember anything specific. <laughs> no. It's just, yeah. So what about you? What's the glory story for you, Father Paul? You know, as you were asking me that question, I was thinking about my glory story. Um, my glory story is going to be a little different. It's going to be internal victory, I guess you can say. And um, this past Saturday, we had our big men's uh, conference at St. George, where I'm a priest. And I'm always in charge of liturgy. Um, and I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm the liturgist type, so I get real nervous about everything going right, yeah. you know, and making sure the bishop was going to be there and everything. I started, so, you know, last year I can remember myself getting anxious about that, but I had a little glory moment during the mass as the mass began. Um, you know, I just, I turned to Jesus in my heart and I'm like, Lord, cause I could feel myself getting anxious about um, the liturgy and making sure everything goes smoothly. Um, and I turned to the Lord in my heart, and I'm like, Lord, I just, I give this to you, right? And I'm going to let go. And I had this moment of just a great peace and consolation about it all, you know? Um, that's my glory story, kind of a little bitty glory story in the heart. It's beautiful. But it was wonderful. I remember it. And it was just a moment of consolation where the Lord was like, thank you, Paul. Like, mm. I've been wanting you to continue to do that, right? But you kind of get caught up in, yeah, don't in relying on yourself, right? you know, especially when it goes to liturgy. And uh, it kind of ties into what we'll be talking about. Um, but when it comes to battling perfectionism and not allowing yourself to make mistakes and then just relying on yourself, yeah. you know, and things like liturgy, and at least from a priest's perspective. He, he wants us to turn to him in everything. Everything, yeah. right? Father Paul, I... I um. One of the beautiful things about your priesthood that I've admired and I've shared, I mean, uh, with many people, because obviously as priests, we walk with so many holy men and women who struggle with anxiety and who struggle with uh, sleepless nights and just concerns and things like that. And sometimes they feel like, well, there's something wrong with me because I, I have this anxiety. I'm not, yeah. I'm not holy. I'm not prayerful enough. I'm doing something wrong. And I remember um, whenever I was walking with you during your season of, of anxiety, profound anxiety that you were experiencing, you... It, what was eye-opening to me was, I was like, wow, because like, Father Paul is so holy. Because you were, I'm not trying to canonize you, because you, you clearly... <laughs> Please don't. Yeah, you're, 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 <laughs> you're super broken and blessed. Hashtag, the book's available right now. Um, but, <laughs> no, but like, I, I just remember like, you were one of my inspirations as a seminarian um, uh, with, with regards to the spiritual life and the growing in the interior life. I remember one time when we were at the Abbey, uh, you came, I was, a, I was a seminarian at the Abbey, so you must have been a transitional deacon maybe, or because uh, you were older than me. So I think yeah, you were a deacon. I was, I, either a deacon or I was a priest on retreat. Yeah. Um, and and I went to there. go uh, in the church at night to go pray, and they, they, they locked the doors, and you were the only person in the Abbey Church, and you were just sitting in the stillness of the chapel before the Eucharist, and I remember just like looking at you and, and asking God, like, can I have that grace to be like him one day, to just literally just gaze on the face of, of, of the Lord in, in, the, in the silence. Like there was no book for you. There was no music. There was no, it was just you and Jesus alone. And it was a long time, too, uh, that you were in there with him. And, and just throughout 
our years as friends. I've just, you've been a man of the interior life. And so whenever I walked with you as you, as you experienced um, your own particular crosses and your sufferings, it was just eye-opening to me. And, and I was, but it was a great gift because I was able to share with people like, no, I'm telling you, like, you're holy because like one of the holiest priests I know in our diocese has had his own struggles as well. Um, and so if, 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 if he has those struggles, like it's not, there's nothing wrong with you, I'm telling you. So anyways, can you just share with us a little bit about your experience with um, finding healing over these years and ongoing healing? Because obviously there's always more yeah. grace and healing from you know, God. I mean, you know, the thing, anxiety, I'm no expert. I will, I will um, asterisk all this saying, like, this is just from my experience and from my own little reading. But um, you know, the thing with anxiety, it's very complex. I think for a lot of people, it's going to be different for everyone. Um, my experience is as, as far as I can remember back, even in middle school, I always struggled with, um, very, being very hard on myself when I make mistakes, when it came to sports or grades or whatever. And, um, and that kind of, I like to think of like a snowball. It kind of snowballed as I went from middle school to high school into college, and then especially when I got to seminary, right, and taking this big transition in life, and then knowing when I become a priest, everybody's going to be looking to you, you know, and um, and it kind of snowballed. It kind of snowballed, and it got to be um, uh, very difficult, um, especially when I had the responsibilities of a pastor. I was I was struggling with just um, the perfectionism, you know. It, one way that I often look at it is, and I know folks that are listening who struggle with anxiety, it can be difficult for those who don't struggle with it to understand, right? And so they, those who care about us who don't understand will just say, well, just give it to God, you know, <laughs> or, um, you know, those nice, you know, just give it to God, or just take a deep breath, those kind of things. And they're trying to help, but they don't understand that it can be paralyzing sometimes. And um, by the time I was a, a pastor, you know, I never really had dealt with it, and I would turn mole hills into mountains, right? The biggest mistakes, like let's just say I, you know, I make a mistake during a homily or in liturgy or um, when it came to like somebody came in for pastoral counseling and then they left and I was thinking like, I probably shouldn't have said it that way. Well, it would just, I would continue to mull over that over and over my head, right? And it would just, it would carry into my sleep. Well, lack of sleep, does that make sense? And as I was pastoring a, a uh, a parish, and, and of course, you know, Father Josh, the responsibilities, decisions that have to be made from little things to small things, and you're going to make mistakes in some of those things, and not everybody's going to be happy. Those things began to just kind of rapidly snowball in my heart to where at night, you know, once everything calms down from the day where you're sleeping, the noise within your heart becomes very, very quote-unquote audible, right, when it becomes to when you're trying to sleep, right? All those things you kind of been pushing down in your heart during the day, they come to the surface when everything's quiet, right? And you start thinking about them, and that's whenever you're, uh, you're kind of ramped up. You can't get to sleep, right? You can't get to sleep trying to figure it all out right there while you're trying to and sleep. And you had many sleepless nights, because I remember you I were did. exhausted. Yeah, I did. You know, and it, it again, my situation is... Um, it, it slowly happened over time um, and kind of reached a, a pinnacle when I became a pastor. And the standards I had for myself were not God's standards, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I had this idea of I'm going to come in and 
of what I thought I should, my, my parish should be, you know, in a couple years or one year. And you come in as a pastor and you see there's a lot of needs, you know, ministry, there's always needs. It never ends. And you think about it all at once and you can be daunting, right? And my idea of, of I need to tackle this right now and it needs to, to be better. Otherwise I'm not a good pastor, right? if it doesn't change overnight. And so I was taking a lot on my heart. And I remember actually images that I would get in prayer. The Lord was showing me so clearly, so clearly. Images of like a little boy trying to build a sandcastle. And as he was building, 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 effort, 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 and building the sandcastle, the sandcastle just kept falling. You know, does that make sense? Like Mm -hmm. he's building it up and he's trying to make it stay and it just falls down, right? Um, I had that image and I had another image of a, of a, of a tractor trying to pull like a huge, like a trailer. And you know how a tractor, I don't know out here in this area, tractors, when a tractor is pulling something very heavy, the front starts coming up, right? It can't pull it, right? The front starts leaning up. And I had those images in my prayer and the Lord was trying to show me like, you're trying to rely all on yourself, right? It's okay. If there's needs in your parish, it's okay. If everything's not perfect, Right. Um, I don't expect that from you, right? Yeah, what does St. Paul say? What, one plants a seed and someone else exactly. is going to water. Exactly. Trust me, that was a scripture yeah. <laughs> that was on my heart. Anyway, to make a long story short, over several years in some pastoral situations, the diocese was going on and adding more responsibilities to my plate. Um, it got to be overwhelming for me um, and the way I was seeing things um, and through the lens that I was seeing things in this brokenness of perfectionism. Um, where I had so many sleepless nights, I had to just step back and um, ask the diocese, hey, this is, I need help. I need help, right? And I'm, I'm willing to admit that. And I, I know I speak to all those who are out there listening. Like, I think the Lord wants us to seek help from others, right? There's a yeah. part of humility in that to say, you know what? I don't have all the answers and I need someone who can help me in what I'm struggling with. Because, you know, in that whole situation, I never questioned my vocation, at all. I know I'm called to be a priest, but but I can't keep going at this in this way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it, it took so it took a cross. It took a cross to go through kind of a a darkness which lasted, you know, in retrospect, maybe several years, um, and, and came to the point where I was just I was almost forced to tell the diocese I need to step back and take a little breather um, you know, from this and rewire my brain. Um, for a lack of better words. Um, and, and and again, as difficult as it was, um, I can see the Lord's hand in it, right? Yeah. And the healing that came. And you've come that. back to the like to the diocese on fire. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and even as your friend, I've noticed a different a difference in your disposition. Like just when hanging out with you, you're 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 freer now. There's a grace that came with that. Now, I will say, and for those who struggle, anxiety is always there yeah. on me, right? And I was praying this morning with Second um, uh, Corinthians 12, you know, where Paul says, the thorn in my side. Mm-hmm. Three times I begged the Lord, take it away, Lord. And he said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And that's been like my motto as a yeah. priest, right? And in my weakness, um, my power is made perfect, right? And so this is always going to be something that's kind of there for you. Yeah. You know, I can manage it better. I have this. You have some skills. tools that you use now that tools, help you. Yeah, I have that, but it always kind of is 
it's my place where I really have to rely on him and not myself. Praise God. And so it, it's really the, a, it's, it's a gift for you as well because because you're not able to be self reliant. You have exactly. to depend on the Lord to be a saint. And that could be anything for, I mean, that could be somebody who struggles with addiction. It could be somebody who struggles with whatever. Sometimes the Lord will not heal it because he knows that's your place of holiness. Yeah, there's a guy, I I tell the story often, who um, he, after 9-11, he started going back to church. And then he was in church for a while. Then he he realized, okay, everything's going to be fine. So he stopped going to church. And then Katrina happened. He went back to church. And then he realized, okay, things are going to get better. And then he became a paraplegic. And when he became a paraplegic, at first he was praying, and he was in the charismatic renewal, so he knew God could heal him because uh, he saw miracles before. But whenever he wasn't being healed, but yet he was super rooted in Jesus, he, he then all of a sudden came to the realization, maybe this wheelchair is my saving grace. Yeah, like This wheelchair has kept me in an abiding relationship with God, and so maybe I shouldn't be healed in this life on earth because if I can walk again, I'll probably walk right out of church again. Uh. And this wheelchair has kept me in relationship with Jesus. And so sometimes... Those, those thorns are really the great gift that God allows us to experience to draw us to a deeper intimacy with him Absolutely. and our walk toward eternity. So, um, yeah, and as we answer some of these questions, I'm sure you have particular insights from your experience that can help our, our listeners. But, yeah, just for our listeners out there, if you have anxiety, if you go through um, sleepless nights, insomnia, you are not alone, and it does not mean that you are not holy and that you cannot be a saint because God is still calling you. Um, and, uh, yeah, just... Look at other other Christians who have also experienced those same battles and um, and recognize that you are not alone and that Jesus loves you very much. So before we get to the topics, I have a quick feedback from a previous episode I want to share. This comes in from Melanie. Melanie writes this. Mel says this. Hi, my name is Melanie. My husband and I have been listening to your podcast while packing and cleaning up our apartment here in South Korea. A shout out to South Korea. Long story short, my husband and I have finished a year working as English teachers and living abroad in the South Korean community. As you know, the spread of the coronavirus has caused nationwide fear in several Asian countries. It's very real here in Korea. The Catholic Diocese we live in has canceled all masses. So unfortunately, we haven't had the opportunity to say our goodbyes to our home church community, attend Ash Wednesday Mass, or celebrate our final Mass while here in Korea. So listening to your various podcasts and watching the Mass on YouTube has uplifted us. One particular meditation you mentioned at the end of your February 12th podcast has really touched our hearts. What was the resource transcript of that meditation where Jesus spoke to a priest? We were so touched by that reflection, and we look forward to the next time we get to celebrate Mass. Thank you through the gift of that message through your podcast and for uplifting our hearts during this time. Please pray for Korea and all countries affected by the coronavirus. Melanie, yeah, Melanie, we would definitely be interceding for you, be praying for you um, and everybody over there and all around the world, the people who are being affected by the coronavirus. The particular resource was Insinu Yezu, um, and that is a, a book, a journal of a monk um, where Jesus allegedly spoke to him in prayer, and he wrote down the locutions, and he was advised by his superiors to share his locutions of Jesus's communication with them for priests to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ and the Blessed Sacrament. But it's helpful for all lay people to pray with it. My staff um, is currently reading it and praying with it. Every Wednesday we gather together to share the graces of that previous week. And so it could be a good, helpful resource for you and for your husband and for really everybody who wants to continue to grow in your relationship with Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, so Melanie, thank you so much for your feedback and be uh, sure of our prayers. All right, Father Paul, Let's get into the questions for today's show.
Ah, so good. All right, so first question comes in from Trouble But Blessed. Trouble But Blessed writes this about OCD and anxiety. I'm a 36-year-old male. I'm married with two beautiful daughters. I love my family. They're my life and my everything. Just like everyone, I have stress, such as money. I always try to remember that God has blessed me with a beautiful life because he created me. However, I suffer from OCD and anxiety. I do see a psychologist and take medication. Mental health is a real scary thing for me. I want to know, what do you think I can do to relieve my anxiety and stress? I have a bad thought that pops in my head, and I think this happens to everyone. Because of my OCD, I can't shake it off as easy, and I need help. Mm. Sincerely, troubled, but blessed. Brother Paul. Amen. Amen. Well, um, some of the things he's already doing, I would suggest, right? Obviously, seeing, you know, that whenever it comes to um, OCD, stress, anxiety, there's different avenues that can all help, that all converge. Um, medication can help, you know, if that's what's needed. Um, Praise God for Sirach chapter 38. Yeah, which, amen. Which the Bible tells us, sometimes people come to me, I don't want to take medicine, I trust in God. I'm like, God wants to heal you through that medicine though, so take yeah. the medicine. And sometimes the medicine can be a means to an end, right? At least you could take the medicine right now so you could talk to someone about what is causing the anxiety, right? If it's something that's rooted from like a family of origin, like let's say your parents held extremely high standards for you, right? And over time, as a little boy, a little girl, that's been concretized in your heart. So as an adult, you ipso facto holding these standards that are just way outside from what God is asking. Um, but also the spiritual side, and I'm, I'm going to answer it as a priest. I'll answer it from that side when yeah. it comes to uh, the spiritual side. And he mentions um, in his question about having the bad thoughts in your head, right, pop in the head. And of course, someone who maybe struggled with OCD, um, you know, when it comes to things like that, um, whether it be impure thoughts or um, whether it be uh, judgmental thoughts or prejudiced thoughts or uncharitable thoughts, when those thoughts come into your head, oftentimes people do one or two things. They either entertain it and just say, well, whatever, I can't do anything about it. It's too strong. Or they try to fight it, right? They fight it, fight it, fight it, fight it, get out of my head, and they tell themselves, um, well, if anybody actually knew what was going in my head right now in the middle of adoration or mass, they would certainly not love me, right? And I always say, you know, the Catholic way is the middle way. I said, when you get that thought and you're aware of the thought, invite Jesus into the thought. Amen. In the moment, Amen. right? Say, Lord, yes. I have this thought about this person, whatever it may be. I don't desire it. I don't will it. And I'm inviting you in right now. I'm praying about it. I'm giving it to you. So I say, how could that be a sin if you turn it into prayer? Yeah. You know, and you will if we, find... When we pray with our imagination, the devil can't play with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And that's a great trust in the mercy of God, right? So right then and there, you're no longer relying on yourself, but you're relying on Him now, mm -hmm. right? Because sometimes we tell ourselves, well, I have to get this thought in my head, then I could turn to the Lord, right? He yeah. doesn't want to have anything to do with this thought because it's so bad. Um, well, let me tell you, just a uh, newsflash, he already knows it's in your head. Right? Yeah. <laughs> he knows it. Our lady knows it already, but he's a gentleman, right? And I don't know if you've said that. He stands at the door and he knocks. Nice. Oh, and yeah. And unless so you let him in, it's just you and this thought spinning around in your head while you tell yourself you're such a bad Christian for thinking this right now. And and, and that's when the devil kind of gets us to wallow in discouragement, you know. And, um, and, and the Lord is standing at the door waiting to come in, but 
You have to let him in. Yeah, one of my favorite prayers to recite is, God, help me to see myself the way that you see me, like right now. And I I ask him, like, right now, like, not when I was baptized or not whenever I received my first communion or not on the day I was ordained or not fresh out of the confessional, but like right now in the midst of this temptation, how do you see me right here in this moment? How do you know me right now? And God, please reveal to me how you love me right now so that I can see myself that way, know myself that way, and love myself that way. Um, But whenever, again, when we resist the Lord and we don't turn to the Lord, uh, that's whenever um, the enemy has, um, he he runs all over us. He begins to take those weaknesses and really crush us. He distracts us, he discourages us, and then we get into despair. And we're like, there's no hope for me. Yeah, and so, you know, I often, somebody who has OCD or anxiety, Jesus' mercy is attracted to that mm-hmm. in your heart, right? And he wants to come in there, right? And he wants to come in um, to rely on him, like in the moment. So when we have those OCD or panic attacks, if we could step back and if we could just think of him in the moment, right? Um, oftentimes anxiety is our mind telling us that we're unsafe, like we're unsafe. And so your body starts to respond as if it's, it panics, as if it's going to lose its life. Mm. You know, like a tiger in the room, right? Yeah. But if we can place ourselves in the moment, in the presence of God the Father, who who's all-powerful, all-knowing, and who loves us, we're safe. Amen. Right? That's what gave the saints such great peace in the moments of what seemed like chaos, you know? And well, it's a journey. We're all going to, you know, we're not going to do it perfectly, right? But a little, there's a little spiritual exercise on top of medication and therapy. All those things can help us. Keep the anxiety at bay, right? And and again, in my own experience, it's always it's always it's going to be there. Right? Yeah. And the Lord has told me clearly, I'm not going to take it away because I need you to rely on me here. Mm. But that doesn't mean I don't do my little my little exercises. You know, my therapist in the past has given me. I don't do these things on a daily basis. One of the practices that you taught me when you got back um, into the diocese, you came back in the diocese, and it was. A breathing exercise when you're driving in the car, like so, say if the mind starts kind of going crazy, yeah, uh, and yeah. you start to like just think about these things that aren't real. What do you do, Father Paul? Think, think of the steering wheel. <laughs> See, my hand hold, is hold on the steering, the steering wheel. wheel right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and now I always that that can get a little bit touchy on mindfulness and is that Catholic? I always include Jesus in it, right? Yeah. Jesus, I'm touching the steering wheel right now, and it yeah. feels. Like this, I'm talking to him about it, right? And yeah. he cares about the details, right? He cares about, you know, I'm I'm feeling my the seat right now. I'm feeling these things help our. It helps kind of in the moment shut the mind down from yeah. racing ahead. And you know, as priests, we can get in the car oh, and start yeah. racing ahead, either racing ahead or racing back to a situation yeah. we were in, and could have gone this, it could have said this. What did they mean when they said this? And yeah, I try to just shut it down by thinking of the present moment. With Jesus. Amen. With Jesus. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, trouble but blessed, I pray and, and hope that uh, Father Paul's wisdom was helpful for you. Hit me up at askfatherjosh at essentialpress.com with, uh, with more so we can continue to walk with each other. Next question comes in from Elizabeth. Eliza, can you imagine? Eliza, can you imagine? If you see it down the street, walking by herself, talking to herself, have pity, look around. You know, you know what I'm talking about? That's from <laughs> Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton. Where's your family from? I'm familiar with the Broadway. The Broadway. Yeah, it's yes. like a classic. Okay, so Elizabeth <laughs> writes this. We have a 29-year-old daughter with mental illness, specifically severe anxiety, 
depression, PTSD, OCD, and borderline personality disorder, to name a few. She's an amazing person, huge, giving, loving heart, but her illness causes her to seek love and acceptance and self-worth through the lowest of the lows, sex out of wedlock, living with people that do very bad things, lying to cover up her guilt and a way of life. Her illness has brought us, as her parents, closer to the Lord and our faith. Last year, we found out that she had an abortion four years ago. My question is, if someone is not of a healthy mind, is their choices weighed the same by God as those whose mind is healthy? When people talk about free will, can you explain it? We, we truly believe that some of her will is driven by her desire to feel love, wanted, accepted, etc. as some of the signs of BPD is lack of trust and fear of abandonment. We show her through our life, example, and words, the way of Jesus, and know he has her in the palm of his healing hands. Since her diagnosis two years ago, we have found baby steps of growth and healing in her, and she recently started going to a non-denominational church and has found much peace and hope there. Praise be to God. I have talked to her about reconciliation, and she did go last year and cleansed her soul. Please keep our daughter in your prayers and all those who suffer from mental illness, as well as those who love and care for them. Blessings, prayer, and thanksgiving. Mm. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah. That is a lot. You can help me with that one. but Yeah, I mean, say- well, I, I just would start, too, with like just on my own personal experience of a family member who had mental illness and um just as far as like with with regards to like free will and everything um so one of my family members committed suicide a few year, a number of years ago in 2006 and he was a holy man uh he went to church all the time uh, but whenever he was off of his medication mm-hmm. um he ended up taking his life like when he stopped taking it, he stopped taking his medication uh, i believe because he was um encouraged to do so by somebody he knew who he looked up to and so uh and that's whenever everything um took a turn for the worse um, but he, he didn't have like full knowledge of what he was doing. He, he wasn't very, he wasn't free when he did that very grave act of, of taking his life. Um, and, and so yeah, free will can certainly, um, yeah, I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, you know, this is why Jesus asked us not to judge the heart of someone mm, because yeah. only the God who can see the heart of a person can judge justly yeah. and knows to the extent someone is culpable um, for their moral actions based on all these things, you know, um, Elizabeth is struggling with as far as the, the PTSD, the OCD, borderline personality disorder. God knows all that to the nth degree in her heart. Yeah. And so certainly these things mitigate a person's culpability by far, um, you know, um, and can be very paralyzing um, and very binding. And so this is why I think the Lord asked us not to judge the person's heart. We can't, yeah. right? And, um, um, you know, things can be objectively, yes, wrong, right, and grave, and, and they're not, can no way can help the person flourish in their life as a Christian. But at the same time, how God judges the heart, that's for him to decide. You know, for, for her parents, their very concern is a prayer. The hurt, the pain that they experience for, for their daughter I always tell, join that pain to Our Lady's heart at yeah. the cross, right? And that's powerful prayer, right? And specifically at the Mass as well. At like the Mass, During the offertory is the most beautiful time to, to... And the Catechism invites us and encourages us. Like, that's the part of the Mass where we give our angels, our guardian angels, everything that we're carrying in our hearts for them to bring to the altar. Exactly, right? And so, you know, continue to pray for the Lord's mercy. And it sounds like from uh, from what she sent that there is the Lord working. Right? There's she growth. Yeah, praise God. Praise God for the growth and healing. Peace. That means she has this great desire for, for freedom, 
within her heart from these things um, uh, that have bound her. Um, but yes, the question was really, someone who does not have a healthy mind, yes, the Lord will judge them justly, which we can never know. Yeah. Only that person and the Lord um, can know to that extent. And so, yeah, so yeah Isaiah absolutely. Saying, my and, and my thoughts illness. are above your thoughts. <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah. And, and mental, mental illness is a real thing. Yeah, it's I so real. It's very new, I think, as opposed to other um, medical conditions, you know, that are... Um, that are not so new, but this is something that's very new, and it even has still kind of a stigma um, that's attached to it, right? That's that can be difficult for for folks who have legitimate illnesses um, for whatever reason, whatever reason. Um, again, it's they're so very complex, and I'm just speaking from yeah. the standpoint of anxiety. Um, but again, the Lord, the Lord knows this person's heart. You he know? does, and, and and also to 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 still entrust them for like. Just to believe that there's nothing impossible for God to do. Oh, yeah. Um, when I was in Poland and we were spending time at Sister Faust- Saint Faustina's shrine with her sisters, one of the nuns, whose name is Sister Faustina as well, was was sharing with us a beautiful glory story of a radical conversion that seemed impossible for her sister after she spent years of praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet for her sister every day, mm-hmm. and then out of nowhere, in God's will, in God's way, in God's time, which is not in our hands. Um, she saw the miracle happen. And, and quite often we don't get to see the fruit of our prayers, but she was able to see the fruit. And yeah. so just to, to trust in, in God's divine mercy and to continue to persevere in praying for our loved ones and trusting our loved ones to the prayers of other people, especially all the cloistered convents throughout the world um, who, who are longing to be invited to intercede. And then also reaching out to those saints who have preceded us in our walk toward eternity who've also experienced similar things, not only in their lives, but in the lives of their family members to entrust our loved ones to their prayers of intercession as well, because uh, God does God does want to do things um, more than we could ever imagine for our good and for the good of our family. Absolutely. Yeah, if we can en- entrust our loved ones, those who are hurting, you know, um, like Elizabeth, trust our loved ones to the heart of Jesus. And just, in, is there, there's a certain weight of trust, right? When it comes yeah. to relying on, God loves them more than you love them. Mm-hmm. Jesus loves their daughter far more than her parents could love her, right? And I remind parents of that when they worry yeah. about their kids and the difficulties you want to. Just remind yourself when you yeah. start getting um, discouraged, you know, that God loves them more than you could. So Praise God. Yeah, awesome. Amen. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to dive into our final question about therapy. And if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie and Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. That's youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. And we're back. Quick reminder, you can hit me up with new questions at AskFatherJosh at AscensionPress.com. You can rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats that helps other people find out about the show. Don't forget, my new book, Pocket Guide to Adoration, is available now. I think it's sold out completely on Amazon, but it is still available at AscensionPress.com. So please cop that there. And then uh, if you have time, write a review about the book on Amazon. Again, that helps other people find out about the, uh, about the book. I'm sorry. And if you find the book to be helpful for you and your relationship with Jesus in prayer, potentially it could be helpful for them as well. Final question. 
is about therapy, and it comes in from Sandra's. Sandra writes this, hey, Father Josh, first of all, I'd like to thank you for your podcast. You have blessed my life in so many ways. I have a question that has been troubling me for the last month. Six months ago, I started to go to therapy to treat an eating disorder and depression. My improvement has been so pronounced that even my therapist is impressed. My family and some friends are very pleased with this development. Personally, I feel great. I feel happier, more confident, and peaceful. Also, I feel closer to our Lord and very thankful for this improvement. As a result, I'm more active in my parish. I'm meeting wonderful people there. However, not everyone is happy with this assertive new me. I let a relationship go because it triggered bad feelings and thoughts on me. Also, a friend simply told me that she didn't want to be my friend anymore and that I would be alone forever with this new attitude. This keeps me wondering, is personal wellness and happiness important enough? Am I changing for the worse? Is it a good idea to continue with therapy even if it means losing friends? What would Jesus want for my life in this situation? Please share your thoughts on this. Thank you very much, Father. God bless you. Um, greetings from Mexico, Sandra. Amen. I love this question. That's a good question. It's just, you know, just I'll let you answer too, Father. But like for, for me, I recognize that friendships are seasonal, right? Some friendships are definitely seasonal and they come mm-hmm. and they go. Um, but when I read her story, when I read your story, Sandra, I see so much growth, not only in your own freedom, but also with Jesus. And exactly. you're more active in your parish. So it seems that this therapists and their suggestions for you um, have been a bridge for you to grow closer to God. And so um, we're either going to be drawn closer to Jesus or pulled further away. And so if you've been going closer in your relationship to the heart of the sacred heart of Jesus Christ and the immaculate heart of Mary, then it's a good thing. And so praise God for the season that you had those friends that have walked away and, and be open to them coming back. Um, but I would, I would suggest that you stay on the course you're on right now because it seems that you're experiencing freedom and holiness. And for me, that's the mark of discernment is, am I, do I have interior peace? Am I holy? Am I virtuous? Uh, am I able to live in a state of grace? Um, and, and am I being more virtuous? And so if you're being more yeah. assertive um, and they don't like that, then they might come around. They might not. But if they don't, praise God for the time they were there. Um, if they do, then potentially uh, they will be able to reverence this new you. Uh, we can't let other people uh, dictate how we're supposed to act. Um, if the way you're acting is helping you to grow, then praise God. That's and uh, that's what I have to say. What about you? Uh, yeah, I, you know, right along those lines, um, you know, the highest highest form of friendships are two people trying to seek virtue together. Yeah. Right? That's Aristotle. It goes all the way back to Aristotle. So you're, I find that maybe friendships are seasonal, right? But I think, too, the new friends that you make through Christ are going to be that much more deeper because oh, they're yeah. striving for the same goal for, for heaven. For the same goal for heaven. And so they're going to be that much uh, that much deeper, right? Striving for virtue. And you may find much more joy in them as well. Um, so I, I encourage her to stay on this path of freedom. I really do. Um, pray for her friends, maybe who, who have difficulty accepting this. Um, and th- this can be difficult. I, I hear this a lot in the context of people who have conversions. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Their old friends don't want to have anything to do with them, right? Because now they love Jesus and we don't want to have anything... That's hard, right? That's hard, it and is. I think that's that's part of the cross, right? And you hope that they will one day share the same joy that you are experiencing. Um, but I I know, and it sounds from her email that that the Lord's going to give her some some continue to give her some great friends that are going to connect very deeply because they're striving for virtue, they're striving for holiness, and they placed Him at the center. Who's one of your best friends? He's sitting right next to me. Oh, Amen. oh yeah. my God. I feel so loved. We're oh, striving oh. for virtue together. Oh, side by, <laughs> like uh, Ebony and Ivory. 
How does that song go? That's uh, you're <laughs> older than know, me. Man. You should know. Ebony and Ivory living together in perfect harmony. Yeah. I have no idea how it goes. Uh, that's before my that's time, but um, yeah. You're the one who knows all the pop culture. I do know Michael Jackson. It doesn't matter if you're black or white. <laughs> no, but like, why am I bringing? Up, like, I brought him up last time. Man, she prayed for his soul. Uh, gosh. And uh, <laughs> anyways, all right. Well, that was a great show, man. It was good. It was fun. Man. It was fun. It. You have such a soothing voice. Um, I just want you to call me before I go to bed at night and read me a story. Uh, and <laughs> that, to sleep. That'll help me go to sleep. I hope my homilies aren't like that. <laughs> oh, my sleep. bad. Oops. Uh, you, you don't have the preacher's voice. You know, some priests, they have that voice that changes. Like, like they talk like this normally, <laughs> and then they start to mess it in the name of the Father and of the Son and of yeah, the Holy their, Spirit. Their sanctuary voice. I love that yeah. voice. Uh, it's so... Uh, so beautiful. So All right, beautiful. so uh, let's go ahead and pray, and we close out this show. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Jesus, we thank you. We love you. We're so grateful for the gift of holy friendship. We're so grateful for every member of the body of Christ. I ask that you give us the grace to lean on every single member in the body of Christ, to never say that as a hand, I don't need the foot, or as a foot, I don't need the hand, but to re realize that, that we cannot make it to heaven apart from, from the church that we need the gift of our brothers and sisters to accompany us, to help us to grow in our relationship with you so that we can all abide with you forever. Jesus, we need you. We love you. We want you. Help us to lean on all of our brothers and sisters who have gifts that we don't have so that we can receive their gifts, rely on their gifts, and grow in our relationship with you now and always. We ask this prayer, Heavenly Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and who reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Father Paul, it's been a pleasure. It's been a gift. Deuces.